0: You're listening to Life Church Podcast with Pastor Bill
1: Carpenter. The scripture passage today comes from Philippians two nineteen through thirty. So, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I may too be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will genuinely be concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth. As a son with a father, he served with me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I know how it will go with me, and I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need, for he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death, but God gave mercy but God had mercy on him and not only on him but also on me at least i should have sorrow upon sorrow i am all the more eager to send him therefore that you may rejoice at seeing him again and i may be less anxious so receive him in the lord with all joy and honor such men for he nearly died for the work of christ risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me this is the word of the
2: We're going to just pick up this morning right where Pastor Dave left off last week, and I want to sort of lay a challenge out to us today of living a life that is very much selfless and very much courageous. Um, and I want to use uh, these two men today that uh, that Paul is referencing in this particular part of uh, this this series on Philippians that we're doing. Um, I'm going to just share a story with you in the beginning here that uh, I've read numerous times over the years, um, and it's a, a story of two, two men, two soldiers, who were really, uh, they were actually categorized as inseparable friends, meaning that they grew up together. Uh, they spent a lot of their lifetime together. They enlisted in the military together. They trained together. They were actually shipped out together together. Uh, they fought in the trenches of World War I together uh, in, in the same battalion. Um, and during one particular occasion, there was an attack upon uh, this battalion. And one of these two men was critically wounded. He was out in the field. He was not in the trenches. Uh, and there were a lot of obstacles between him and the trenches. It would not be possible for him to get back because of the bobbed wire and the other things that that were were out there um so th- this entire area where he was wounded and where all of these men were under enemy fire was was really a, a, a to, to move out of any place where you could hide or, or be covered would be suicidal to to do that but nevertheless his friend and 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 partner and brother and and part of this deadly duo of young boys who climbed trees together and did all these different kinds of things together um he it it was just there was no thought for him that he should not go and rescue uh this this man uh and so he started to climb out of the trenches and his uh master sergeant pulled him back and he said don't even think about it you cannot do this He's beyond help at the moment, and you'll only destroy yourself. You cannot do this. And, and he yanked him back down into the trench. And, of course, with the intensity of what was going on, the uh, the master sergeant turned his, his, his back to this man to do something else, uh, and uh, boom, he was out there. And, uh, and he went. Uh, he was wounded, uh, very very critically wounded. Uh, by the time he he got this young man back to the trenches, the young man was dead, and he was mortally wounded and was dying. And the sergeant said to him, what a horrible waste. Why would you do this? This is such a waste. He is dead, and you will be soon. And the young man said, it's worth it. It was worth it, because when I got to him, he looked in my eyes, and he said, I knew you would come. I knew you would come. And he, he, said, he said, that was everything for me in that situation. And he risked his life for his friend. Um, I want to talk to you today about um, the idea of, of Christian uh, y- unity and working together and, and sort of living out this this selfless life, if you will. And I believe that, that men and women are, are essentially... Uh, when they become mature and they become selfless and they become c- courageous, they really are the, the, the building blocks, if you will, of healthy churches. I believe these are the kinds of people that really, really build and, and, and sort of are, are sustaining very healthy churches. And I believe that there are oftentimes... These moments in our lives where God speaks to us individually and sometimes even corporately he will do this. But he speaks to us to lay down our life in some way to think outside of ourselves more than we ever have. to, To move us to a place of something that is very significantly selfless and requires a great deal of courage or risk, if you will, in our lives. I believe God is accustomed to doing that. I believe God intends to do that, and I believe that God has an expectation that we will answer that call, that we will be serious about defining ourselves in some sort of selfless way here, and I believe that this is what we see here in this particular passage, and I believe that those people who, who have that kind of passion for Christ, His, his church, if you will, uh, that, that we can reach a place where we have a desire for the greater gain than our own gain for ourselves and and a person who does that is really a kingdom builder it's a person who is who is pushing back the powers of darkness. It's a person who is building the kingdom of God. And I'm convinced that these type of people come into the kingdom in, in every type, shape, style of people. It isn't a matter of personality. It isn't a matter of physical condition. It isn't a, a matter of family history. It isn't a matter of education. It's a matter of a willingness to mature oneself in God. To the point to say, I understand the power of laying my life down. And I understand the power of taking a risk for God that that will cost me in some way more than the average person pays from day to day. And I believe that that we can learn from these two men here in this particular passage... And I believe that they really do sort of epitomize this level of selfless commitment that I'm talking about. And that is Timothy and Epaphroditus. Now, I am a Southerner. I was born in the South, and I have what every Southerner has as a disease, and that is called lazy-tongue-itis. Okay, we, don't, we don't say our words like other people say them. We, we forget to say the beginnings of some words. We do it intentionally. And we drop endings off very regularly. Okay? So sometime in this sermon, I am going to butcher this man's name. Okay? So I'm just letting you know that I am going to say something, and it's not going to come out. Epaphroditus. All right, it's going to come out some other way. Please just grace me, smile, and just stay with me. Okay, don't get stuck there and say, "Look what he did." Did you hear what he said? Okay, let's just let's just look at these two men as they are great men uh, that God is used powerfully in the early church, and uh, and let's let's with Paul look at how he honors their lives in these particular verses, and and and, and I'll tell you this, even that it is actually unusual in a sense uh, that Paul is doing this in this particular place, in this particular point in the letter to Philippi, because Paul... Almost always, customarily, he refers to people by name at the end of his letters. He sort of picks that piece up at the end, and he, he names people and uh, uh, lauds them or praises them near the end or speaks about their life near the end of the letter. And he's doing this here in the heart of this letter. And I think there's significance to that, and, and, and there is, is purpose for that. Uh, Robert Swift, a theologian, writes, and he says that in every epistle... In particular, this epistle, every single reference that Paul makes to another person in the book of Philippi is made in connection with that person's koinonia. In other words, that person's sense of partnering or partnership with the gospel. So there's, there's, there's a real sense here that Paul brings these two men up in the in the heart of this particular book, and he is making... Uh, a, a real emphasis here as to the work that they are doing, the work that they have done. And so these two men are serving here in some sense of a model for all of us uh, in, in the body of Christ as men who have lived this example of exhibiting not only humility and unity but, but the, and not only having worked out their salvation so to speak as, as David talked about. These are men of great works but these works are not to save them. These men are working in the gospel. These men are working in the kingdom. Uh, they're working part of a bigger picture if you will here with the intent of building the kingdom of God. So these are men who have, have gotten beyond themselves. So I, I would like to give you sort of two defining principles this morning that I think come from the lives of these men. And the first one we're going to look at, obviously, is um, is Timothy. And uh, I, I, I I love Timothy. I have a great appreciation uh, for Timothy. Uh, I think he, he is a, a wonderful young man. I love working with young people. I love working with college-age people. David loves working with teenagers. Uh, it doesn't mean that I don't like teenagers, or he doesn't like college age or young adult. It's just we both have a, a sense of being drawn to to some of those age groups. Uh, now that I finally turned sixty-two, I, I have this sort of awareness of that I might could be called into geriatric ministry any day, you know. Uh, and, and and that's a really good thing too, because there's several of us here in the church, and, and we're valid, you know. We're 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 on we're a part of the team, you know. We're in the in in the fellowship. We're partakers, we're workers in, in the partnership of the gospel and all of that. So, you know, across the board, there, there is this sense of everybody is a part of the kingdom of God. But I love Timothy, and I love the fact that a young man is so, is so invested in the kingdom but also that there are some things about this young man that I think he could have used as excuses, and he never did. And I think that Paul saw his value and said, I'm going to spend time with him, and I'm going to mentor him, and I'm going to shape him, uh, and he's going to come forth. And, and here is this, this young man, Timothy, who is living a very, I believe, selfless life as a servant uh, in, in the kingdom. And so, I want us, as God's people, to look at this passage just a little bit this morning and, and ask some questions of ourselves. Uh, and, and so, the main question, sort of, that we lay over this is, where are we? You know, where am I? Uh, relative to what Paul is trying to say through these examples of these two individuals, where are we? And so let's, let's just take up Philippians here and, and look at him. So, If you have your Bible, would you just be willing to just turn there, all right, and, um, and, and, and follow along with me here in this passage. Beginning at verse 19, he's, he says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon. I, I hope in, in the Lord Jesus. And I want us to see here from this uh, a man who, who's, whose heart and mind Shows us this sort of servant's attitude. Paul's use of of the word hope here uh, is is more than just a wish. It's more than that, that I I I, I kind of want to, or I'm thinking about, or I'm wishing he could he could be sent to you. But Paul here, it, this word is more of like a confidence. It's like it's like this is an expectation. I I expect to send him to you. I in, there is an intent in my heart to send this man to you. In other words, I have. I have motive, I have reason, I have intent that this man is going to come to you. I be- Paul is saying, I believe this man has something to give to you. I believe he has something to impart to you, something to offer to you, all right? And so he's got this this very strong sense of confidence here of sending this young man to a, a, a church that has been established and is now growing with the intent that this young man can have an impact, that he can, can bring something to them. And he, and he says, I, I, I want to do this in the Lord Jesus. And, and this is not like us saying, oh, if the Lord's will, I'll come to you. Or if, if the, down south, we say it like this. If the Lord's willing and the creek don't rise... We'll do this or we'll do that, meaning you know I'm kind of thinking I could do it, but if anything comes up, I'm not going to. You know, there, there's always there's always these back doors, there's always these other options, there's always these other opportunities, but I would that we could get to the places, God's people, that we just slam shut and lock all the other doors. That when God speaks to us and says, this is what I want you to do. This is where I want you to go. That we will say, yes. And we won't say, okay, hang on. I just need to make sure I have another option just in case. All right? Paul's intent is that I am going to send Timothy to you. He is going to come to you. That, that we, we want him to come to you in Christ. This is the will of the Lord. And so we're going with this. And and so it shows that Paul doesn't really make decisions based on even just common sense or, or what he might think is best, but he submits everything to the Lord. And I pray that you and I can live this out as we make this transition to the new church and as our our sense of neighborhood and responsibility expands, as we're developing committees who are helping us to negotiate how to go around the world and reach other people groups and other cultures, uh, as we're deciding what we're going to do here in the community, all of these kinds of things. All of this needs to come from this sense of this is the will of the Lord. This is what God is speaking to us as a church and as a body. And, and I would pray that you as, as individuals and as families could do the same thing. That you could begin to act and live out this sense of this is the purpose of God for my life. This is what God is saying to me. This is what God is speaking into my heart. And I need to go with this. I need to step out by faith and move on this and, and go with this because that is saying, I am going to die to myself. And I am going to submit to the will and the purpose and the plan of God. And this is what young Timothy has done, all right? And so, and so Paul here says, I, I, I want very much, all right, um, to, to send him to you. Uh, and then he goes on to say, I, I, don't, I don't have anyone like him. In other words, I, I see this man as capable of helping you and blessing you. Paul believes the, the best about people, and he believes the best about the church. And we're going to talk about that later on in Philippians, this idea of looking at the best and finding the best in, in one another. Um, but, but he's saying here, I'm going to send him because I want it to be well with your soul. I want you to, to prosper. I want you to flourish. And so I, I desire to send Timothy to you. And, and you know what? Deep down he's saying, I believe in Timothy, but I also believe in you. I believe in the church. I believe that God is going to work through you in Philippi. And I want to send Timothy to you. I believe in what Timothy can bring to you. And I want the church to grow. And I want the church to flourish here. And, and so he has, Paul has this tremendous sense of responsibility to lead in optimism. All right? And, and I, I would challenge you and I that as we're going forward in the things that God is asking us to do, here's what I, I'm kind of sort of settling down to is this reality that that to move to another facility and, and to, to renovate that facility and get it ready and, and to move into that facility, that's just a small thing, all right? That's a piece of preparation, you know? And here's, here's the problem with that. We can get so engrossed and so involved in the, 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 the rejuvenation of a building, if you will, that that takes all of our perspective. And, and, and our perspective will close in to that building, to that facility. And we'll miss what God is saying in the bigger picture. That building is for us. But it is for the purpose of expanding the gospel. That expansion of the gospel is God's heart. It's not for a building. It is for us to understand how we are going to impact a neighborhood. How we're going to reach beyond where we are. And so I, I would challenge us that, that we see, as Paul sees, that we see the value of the neighborhood. We see the value of this city. We see the value of global connections. That, that we see these things in such a way as to say, I see how God is working. I see how God is moving here. And I think Paul is saying to the church at Philippi, I'm going to send Timothy to you because I believe in you. And I see how God is working through the church in Philippi. I see what God is doing and I see the need that is there. And that need is for us to be equipped and, 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 and to, to grow in our spiritual maturity. And young Timothy is selfless enough to go. To, to not to, 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 to step back and say, oh, wait a minute, let's think about this. He is, he is able to go. He is able to do as Paul uh, directs him to do under the leadership of the Holy Spirit, and the direction of the Holy Spirit, okay? So... So whether you're married and has and you have a family and you have children, or whether you're single and you're out there trying to figure some things out, the key here I think is that we live a life that lays down ourselves. I think God will ask that of you. I think God is already asking that of life church. I think He's asked that of life church over the years, from time to time in very significant ways. But generally speaking, that is sort of how God has moved in life church, is asking us to lay down our own life lay down ourself if you will and and paul here uh, as he says i'm going to send him to you i i, I want him to come to you. even i want to come to you He's like i'm going to send timothy but i want to come i want to follow timothy uh, i, I want to come to you um and 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 i would ask you today what are you believing god for in this church you who are part of life church you who are covenant members in life church what do you expect god to do what do you what do you think god is is up to what How are you trusting God in order that you may step out in faith and be a part of what God is doing? And here's the danger for us in the church is we can sit back and say, well, I'm doing a few things and play it safe because we don't catch, if you will, the bigger vision of God for what he is trying to do. And I want to challenge you and I that we live out of that bigger sense of vision. God I believe is up to some amazing things in life church and he wants to do more than we maybe have been able to see. I have been so convicted about this in the last couple of weeks. And not just because I've been preparing for this sermon and, and not just because I've had a little bit more freedom to, to ponder and think things because David's preached for a couple of Sundays, but because I really feel like God is speaking to me about where we are going, what what He intends for life church. As we go forward. And so I want to challenge you and I today that we answer some of these kinds of questions for ourselves. Where are you in Life Church? What do you see happening in Life Church? How do you see yourself fitting into that that God is doing in and through Life Church? Paul says, I have no one like him. Now, one translation says, I have no one of such kindred spirit with me. All right. In other words, I, this is someone who is close to me. This is someone who walks with me and, and feels some of the things I feel in the Spirit and, and who, who understands how I, how I think and how I pray and how I do ministry. And he, he, is, he is one with me in that respect. And, and what he also says, though, is he is one who is and will be genuinely concerned for your wealth. Paul saying, in my heart, I'm concerned for you. In my heart, I love you deeply. In my heart, I I, I see you as partners with me in the gospel. And we've established you. Now I'm sending you this young man who is like me. Because I know he will be genuinely concerned for you. He will will care for you the way I care for you. Uh, Throughout... Next few minutes, I'm gonna I'm gonna name three or four people probably in Life Church, uh, just because I want to use you as examples, uh, not to embarrass you, but I I just you're the you're the best I have, and this is Life Church, and I want to bring this home to us. Um, But um, I'm really happy in in a strange kind of way that Pastor Dave is not here today because I can talk about him. Uh, So it's really you know this is really sweet to be able to do this, and. uh, it's not that I would in any way want to embarrass him, but a couple of things I might say about him today could embarrass him in, in, in the best sort of way here. But I want you to understand that I don't want to just talk about Paul, this great man of the New Testament, this great man of the church. We, we need to talk about him. We need to, to understand him. We need to study his life. We need to study the history that he has given us, all right, of the, of the church, the early church. But I, I love to bring scripture home and I love to set it right down here in life church and say, look at what God is doing, you know. And and so when I think about a Timothy, I think about a Dave Sinkgraven. And I've seen a couple of others of you who you know, you're growing and you're maturing in, in some ways and you're doing things that are selfless and you're making decisions outside of yourselves. And I go, look at there. There's another Timothy. There's another Timothy. There's another Timothy. Not, not looking only at men, but looking at women as well and not seeing this as a gender thing, but say the spirit in which Timothy is exuding. You have that whether you're a man or a woman, whether you're young or old, whether you're you're a little overweight or a little too skinny or whether you got a dollar in your pocket or you don't. That is not those things are not the issue here. It is the spirit of Timothy that Paul is looking at and talking about here and saying, come on, church. This is how we function. This is how we live. This is how we relate to one another as the body of and so I, I, I land there. But I want to tell you this. I, I, I know confidently, um, shoot, uh, I'm emotional right now for two or three different reasons. And this has been a very intense week for me in, in some ways. Um, but uh, David and I had to go to court this week. Neither of us are in trouble. Um, we just had to go to a court. Appearance and, and he had to serve as a character witness in, in Pierce, South Dakota in a very intense and unique uh, resentencing uh, for someone who was up in the penitentiary. Um, and, it, and it was very, very emotional and very intense for both of us, for him in particular. Um, but, but the night before we left, I went along to be support to him, knowing that this was going to be very difficult for him, um, and we were warned of that. Uh, so I went along to be with him for that. Uh, but the night before, and I had promised him way back, I would do this, I'll go with you, and I, yes, I will go with you, and I will support you, and, and, and all of that. But the night before, in, in the late night, I got a call that my brother, who is uh, 15 months younger than I am, had suffered a severe heart attack um, and and was in a very dangerous and precarious place. And here's the thought that, that came to me, um, Okay, God, what do I do if I need to go? If I need to leave here and go to Georgia uh, very quickly? Here, what do I do? I promised David I would be with him, and uh, in, in in Pierre, and so I, I'm probably not going to be able to. I decided I wasn't going to be able to do that. You know, uh, what what am I going to do? I've got to get someone to go with David, um, and uh, and I've got to I got to take care of the church. So I started texting David, you know, and and he said he said Don't worry about anything. You just you just go and and that was really sweet but that's not what I'm getting at here I mean that was that was great of him that he would he would be very self-sacrificing that way that he would he would lay down uh his desire for for my moral support and insight at this trial uh he could just lay that down but it was that I sat there for a moment and said thank you God because you have given me a young man in my life who not only will lay down his life, but here's the beauty, God, is that I could leave right now, and I know that Dave Sinkgraven has my heart. He has the same DNA and he loves life church just like I love life church. And I know for a fact that if I if I walked away for whatever I had to do. He would think, What do I need to do for Life Church in the same way that Pastor Bill would do it? And, and he would hold you in that same way. And I'm pretty confident he might even hold you better than me. All right? Because he has that ability to do that. But here's what I want you to see I want you to see that here's two men that have spent over 10 years together. All right? Um, Paul's had Timothy for a, 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 this number of years, but but we we've, we've been together longer than that in Life Church, and and it's it's amazing uh, the, the connection that is is there for Life Church. So I trust this man completely. So I, I'm telling you that that what what God is speaking of here, he does. And I, and I have that experience, and you do too, that we can see the relationship of an older man and a younger man. I'm not in any way advocating that you should see me as Paul or David as Timothy. I'm just saying that conceptually, that's where we are and where we have been and where we have tried to be, is two men who work closely together and serve faithfully, closely together. You won't hear in this church people talking about how, well, the senior pastor is aloof and the associate pastor is over here and they don't connect and they don't have relationship or there's tension or there's this or there's that or, or those kinds of things. You're going to see God work through us as as a team. And I would challenge you to come on board with that sort of concept, that, that it's not even just a Bill and Dave show. Please, let's get away from that very quickly, all right, and say that Bill and Dave are pastors of this church, and we have an old guy pastoring and a young guy pastoring, and they're doing it together, and they're doing it pretty pretty decent in relationship with each other, and God is is, is blessing. But how do I come into that then? And see, Paul is sending Timothy to Philippi, even though they are So closely connected and knitted together, Paul's saying, I'm going to send you, I can't come, I'm in prison, I can't do this, but I can send someone who knows my heart, who Feels like I feel for the body of Christ who wants to see the kingdom grow and and move forward. I'm sending him to you. And what I'm saying is what Paul is saying, because he's already talked about this partnership with everyone in the gospel and this unity and all of this. He's saying, I'm going to send Timothy and I want you to come on board with him. And so what I'm saying today is where are you in that dynamic of all of us coming together together? Yes, I'm the senior pastor. Yes, David is the associate pastor. But you, we are the body of Christ in life, church. We are the body that works and functions together. We are the people of God. And you have giftings and callings and abilities to be used. And you cannot sit back and, and say, I don't want to take the risk. Or, wait a minute, God, I got to make sure there's a back door and an exit for me in case something goes south. Or, I don't like what's going on. Or, I've, I've been put out of my comfort zone. No, we say, hey, I am getting on board here with what God is doing. And many of you are sitting there saying, I'm on board, Pastor, I'm on board. What are you talking about? I I know you are, but I'm saying, can we, as God's people, can we live and commit to living this selfless life that says whatever God asks of us in the future? See, So what I'm saying is, that can we transition out of just being comfortable as the body here and enjoying the relationships that we have and enjoying the koinonia and the fellowship? Can we make sure, can we do what we need to do to make sure that we are laying down our lives so that we're saying, okay, God, we love what we have here, but you are transitioning us. You are moving us in some ways as a body. And can we lay down our lives and say, God whatever you ask of us as life church going forward we will say yes we will do what you have called us to do he uses this term genuinely uh, and i and I, I love that he he will be genuinely concerned for you all right and and this is this is a word that has connotation to it if you it's used here as an adverb there's, there's, there's like four related words in the Greek that are adjectives and if you look at those adjectives and study them a little bit you'll see that they, they, you, they really sort of give this idea of legitimacy uh, of genuineness it, it's like that of legitimate in the sense of Timothy is a legitimate son to Paul even though Paul is not his birth father, there's a legitimacy that he is a son of Paul. And, there, and that, that genuineness is what Paul is holding on to. He's saying, this, this, this guy's like me. You know. How many of you, there's a, there's a couple of you I know for a fact in here, you're, you're, uh, you're roommates or whatever, and, and you've been roommates for a while. Um, but you, uh, you have this sort of kind of like strange keen thing that goes on in your life that day to day you do something or you say something or you find out you like something and you go whoa you get you know you guys do it too you just want to admit it but you get it's like ah look at that we are so alike you may be very different in some ways but you're so very alike and it's like there's something more here. We're like we're like kindred spirits. Like we're like lost sisters or we're like lost brothers. You know? And you know what? I'll tell you this. There are people who don't have that and they long for it. They like it. They like they like it when they see it or when they recognize it. And there's a couple of you sitting here going, Gross, that would be so awful to have to live with someone who is like me. I don't want that. But you're probably people who are going, gross, I don't want anyone to live with me. I want to be by myself. And God doesn't call us. He doesn't hermitize us, okay? He calls us to be in community. He calls us to learn about one another. He calls us to live in this with one another and, in a sense, become more alike. All right? I'm going to tell you what, in the relationship between your pastors Pastor Bill and Pastor Dave have some really major differences, all right? What we find kindred and what we are alike in is that we are after the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we're after establishing life church and ministering to you and trying to be as selfless as we can in that process. But I had to sleep in the same hotel room with Pastor Dave this weekend for a night, and I'm going to tell you what, that boy and I are not kindred in some ways. At all, okay? And I am never going to sleep in a hotel room where you turn the air conditioner off and throw the covers to the side and just lay out there. I spent the night with the blankets up over my body and around my ears going, Oh my goodness, he is an alien. we're different we are different that is something it is, and you know bless his heart twice he indulged me he never turned the air conditioning down don't no, but he took me to get a cup of hot coffee and he sat there in the car I said you want I'll get you something no I'll, this water is just fine And I went in and got hot coffee. It was so good. And he just looks at me and shakes his head. He will never drink a cup of coffee. But I will always drink coffee till the day I die. We're different. That's all it is. We're different. It's not bad. It's just different. But in the things that matter, we are so unified. We are so together in those things and we can defer to one another for the sake of the gospel in some ways. All right? And this is what I want to say about Life Church. Let us be unified in those particulars that really matter, the kingdom of God. I love your differences. I love your personalities and your styles and and and, and all of those things that mark you as who you are that are that are authentic and legitimate. But I also love the differences. I love the fact that there are some of you, and you are already, you, you take crazy risks. You drive me crazy once in a while. All right? And I'm like, God, I'm going to have to pray more for this person. They're, they're, they're out there. And, and some of you, you have other things where, where it's just like, wow, you are really set apart in this particular way. You're unique in that way. And, and David and I have learned to celebrate that about all of you as the body of Christ in Life Church. And so, Timothy. Uh, is this amazing young man who is who is faithfully like his mentor and yet very different in some ways than the Apostle Paul. But Paul says, I'm going to send him because he is genuinely interested in the Philippians because he is a genuine son of the Apostle Paul. All right. And so there's no worry. There's no anxiety. You'll never have to worry uh, about uh, Pastor Dave leading you. I'm going to tell you that. By the way, this is not a sermon to announce to you that I'm leaving or anything, all right? Just because I turned 62, I'm not going anywhere, all right? I'm settled in, all right? I want my mountain right here, okay? Uh, so please understand that, all right? Uh, we are enjoying doing ministry together more than we ever have, and we're enjoying doing it with you more. And this is the beauty of Philippians right now because the church is going through some transitioning places, is that all of us have the opportunity to grow together, all right, and 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 to, to, for God to shape life church right now in some beautiful, beautiful ways. Okay, and so I want you to see this man Timothy as being selfless. It is not about him himself here. All right, but he he really is one who serves. All right, and this is what Paul says here in, in this passage. He he will be concerned about your welfare. And he makes reference to, to others who seek their own interests. They're not those of Jesus Christ. All right? But he says, you know of Timothy's proven worth. That word proven there is like tried in the fire, if you will. It's like ore that has been been uh, purified. So he's saying Timothy's been through some stuff. Tim- Timothy's been proven and you all know that. You know of this Proving process of this young man here. And so he has, he has shown himself uh, to be proven. And, and he is a, a, a son uh, with, with me as his father. And we are serving in the gospel. He goes, therefore I send him. And I will send him just as soon as I can. Alright. The intent here is for, 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 I think for us, is to understand that this young man lays down any preferences he has here he lays down any desires he has here and because this church in philippi needs him because this city of philippi needs him he is going and he's going because he serves he is going out of this servant heart this servant mentality if you will uh and 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 the word that's used there for for him uh, as as a servant or as serving um is is really a word that that we would, we would probably put words like slaving away. Some of you, you talk about jobs that you don't want to do. We, we obviously uh, think that slavery in itself is heinous, okay? Uh, and, and, and so we would have no part with that. Uh, but once in a while, you'll do a very tedious job or a very very dirty job or a job that you just don't want to do. Yesterday, I sat on the roof of my house and dug with my hands out of the, the, the drain things. That, what are the what are they called gutters yeah those you. well you all know where I land <laughs> yeah up on the top of my house digging out nasty stuff out of the gutters because it's rained so much and all the water just goes over the gutters so it dawned on me one day looking I wonder why that's happening you know and then it dawned on me they're probably full and I mentioned that to someone and they said well, you idiot, of course they are. why else would the water run over them? you know and i I don't know I'm just curious you know anyway, well, you're not curious enough. you should have cleaned those out last year. you know i didn't know I didn't understand you know Dwight did it last year oh thank- dwight, thank you for taking care of my gutters uh you know, Dwight looks out after me he's he's he is He is marvelous that way, all right, but here's the thing is i you know. I, I'm I'm up there d- doing that. I don't really know what I'm doing, um, but you know, I I, I did it. I, I I tried to do it. You know, I, I God didn't necessarily ask me to do that. What I'm saying to you is, sometimes you may find yourself in a position where you're doing something that you maybe really don't think you know how to do very well. All right, uh, but but it may be it's yours, and it may be that God lays that there for you, you know, and, and that, that you can do that, you know, but I'm, I'm up there on, on the roof, and I'm going, what, what am I doing? I, I, you know, I don't know what I'm doing here, but there was a need, and I, and I took care of it for my family and for, for our home, but, but here's what I'm trying to say to you. You you need, you and I, going forward, we, we, we've got to be willing to say, you know what, I don't care how I look. Believe me, I looked really dumb up there. And cars were driving by, you know. And, and after I got up there, I realized that I probably shouldn't have gone up there with flip-flops on. Um, and and I, had a bi- I had a big bucket with me. So I could put stuff in it. I didn't know what I was going to put in it, but I figured there's stuff in there. you got to have something to put it in, so I took a big bucket of it. Do you know that when a gust of wind comes up and you have a big bucket in your hand and you're standing on the very top of your, your roof, you're in a precarious place? That's dangerous. I, I wouldn't recommend that you do that. All right? What are you saying, Pastor? I, I'm saying this. I'm not asking you to do something that, that's going to make you look dumb or stupid. I'm not talking about throwing caution to the wind here. I'm I'm not talking about being out of order in some way. I'm talking about that you and I would see ourselves connected in community enough to believe that God is giving us a mission and that that mission is to fulfill his will and purpose as a church and that we are going to lay our lives down together and sacrifice enough To see that purpose and that will accomplished. And that it isn't going to be me or I who matters. It is going to be the purposes of God that matter the most. And when we lay ourselves down, we are are saying, I present my body a living sacrifice. In other words, I become selfless here in this place. And this is what Paul is describing as Timothy. Now, let me take you just a little further over here, okay? Because he he leaves Timothy, um, and and he begins to speak um, about this young man. Uh, He says, says, I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier... And your messenger and minister to my need. i I've, in no way have I done Tim, uh, uh, young Timothy, justice here this morning. In no way have I done that. Okay, I didn't intend to. I, I can't, this this isn't a sermon about Timothy. All right, and we could we could talk about Timothy for days. Okay, but I want to move on here so we can we can get done here. Uh, this, this is the second person in this duo that Paul uses to, to emphasize something here. And, and I think it's important. Spiritually mature men and women are selfless servants, just as, as, as Timothy is. And, and, and cares more about the, the bigger picture than, than themselves, all right? Um, but there is another defining principle here that I would like for us to look at. And I believe that is that spiritual men and women are courageous as well. They're not only selfless, but they are very much courageous. And I think Timothy uh, is, is a marvelous example of selfless service, all right? But I also think that um, Epaphroditus is this really superb model of kind of like suffering and courage, if you will. And um, his name only appears twice in the New Testament. Timothy, on the other hand, twenty four times he 's talked about and named all right and, and Timothy um, sort of fits this pastoral bill while, while uh, a uh, he, he is is more this this sort of like deacon kind of, of person all right and but Paul is giving him preeminence here in this passage, and he 's devoting actually he devotes more words to to this man than he does to Timothy here in, in this sort of commendation, if you will, alright? And, and I think he's got a, just a, a wonderful sort of resume that comes across in this verse that I read to you. He says, I think it's necessary that I send this guy, Epaphroditus, back to you, alright? He is my brother. He is my fellow worker. He is my fellow soldier. He is your messenger. He is the minister to my needs. Whoa! Look at all this guy is doing uh, for, for the kingdom and, and for Paul. And so very quickly, Paul says he is a brother, and this term "brother" sort of it, it sort of gives you this idea of sort of this, this sort of warm personal intimacy and friendship. Paul has this relationship with Epaphroditus they're they're tight, if you will, because well they're they're united as brothers in, this, in, in their spiritual family, if you will um, but I don't think that Paul uses the term "brother" lightly I don't think something he just, he just does like because it it's he heard it somewhere have you ever had someone in in the in the body of christ who is quite like zealous and and quite sort of like they look religious they act religious they sound religious you know they're they're quite intense and so everybody is brother and everybody is sister and they will they will call you that you know they'll walk up to you you know, in, in, the, in the mall. You know, you're walking in the mall and you see this person, you smile because you're, you know, you both know that you're Christians and it's great. And, and that person just, you know, walks in and goes, Sister Nikki! And you're just like, oh my goodness, he just called me sister right here in the middle of the mall. That's strange. That feels a little strange. You know, it can. It can feel strange. All right? But Paul is saying, hey, I'm going to send my my He's brother. He's a brother. You. There's significance in this. I, I never really appreciated this very much until a gentleman that I greatly admired and uh, uh, followed and, and, and loved in the ministry uh, in, in, a, in a, a meeting together. Uh, he he came over at a break, and uh, he put his hand on my shoulder, and, and he said, Brother Bill, and I liked it all of a sudden. Because we have this relationship, we there's a connection between us. And I know this man's faith and I know his sacrifice and I know his commitment and I feel far inferior to this man. And and he comes over, but he puts his hand on my shoulder and says, Brother Bill. And I was like, Wow, that that felt nice to be called brother. I, I want to identify with this man. I I, I want I want to identify in the same company as this man all right once in a while we will use names with some of you uh and most of the time those are really very genuine once in a while it's to be a little bit funny uh you know david and i were talking this this week on the ride to pier uh we were talking to um, a, a, a young lady that we uh were with there and uh, uh, later, we had been talking about, you know, just being, being brothers and, and, and my, my role as sort of a spiritual father, his role with me in the associate pastor's role and the things we do. And we're going over some of this stuff that, that I'm talking about today. Um, but uh, this, we met this young lady at the, at the trial and it happens to be Charity's sister. Uh, and and David just says to her, he goes, he goes, yeah, you know, we refer to Charity as Saint Charity. And, and we do. In, in a loving kind of way, we refer to charity as saint charity, all right? D- David does it way more than I do, all right? So I, I, I don't offend her nearly as much as he does uh, by any means, okay? Uh, and and we, we smile when we do that, or we, sometimes we even laugh after we do it, you know? But the reality is that there's a part of us in our heart we do that joyfully because we realize that charity, many Sundays, she is opening the heart of worship for all of you she has a special place in life church folks uh so does nathan as well he is in my estimation nathan is a psalmist he's all he's many other things all right but one of the things that i most love about nathan is that he is a psalmist and he i can call on him at the last minute and he can open our hearts to worship and he can do that genuinely and and wonderfully you know and so we, we see these two individuals, and we value them because we see that they are in this with us. And, and we could give them legitimate labels and titles. And I could be formal if I needed to be. Sometimes I am. Sometimes, guys, I'm very appropriate. Please, please understand that. Sometimes I really am. I, I know how to function. I know protocol. I, I can do that. I just don't a lot of times, you know. But, but I can. So, so I, can, I can say Dr. Hitchcock. It, comes, it flows out of my mouth very easily, you know. But I like Nathan, and I like thinking about him as a psalmist, and I like asking him to play his guitar and, and to lead us in, in, in song. I love Charity when she gets up there and she really doesn't say anything. But then she opens her mouth and I, I feel the presence of God because she and the team are leading you and I into an experience of worshiping our God. We're in this together. We're doing this together. And, and she's serving in such a beautiful way. And she is my sister, all right? And I'm proud to say she is my sister and and that we have this relationship with one another. and And when I ask her to do things she willingly does them and so does her husband who is my brother alright and serves as an elder I could call him Elder Wade I just don't like to do that alright I like to call him Wade I like that he is my brother alright I, I, I love that kind of connection and so Paul can do that too he can call Epaphroditus his brother but he goes further and he not only calls him his brother and there's a lot we can say about about a brother but he says fellow worker. He's in the kingdom. He's a workhorse in the kingdom. He's doing whatever he's asked. Paul is in prison. There are no... No cities to take for Jesus right right at this moment there's there 's no glorious mission to the heathen right at this moment uh, there's there 's everyday chores that need to be done here, like going grocery shopping and helping cooking and finding people that Paul wants to to talk with in, in some way and bringing them to him, helping probably by transcribing some of the letters because of of, of, of paul 's situation but paul doesn 't like make it very trivial here. That his time in prison is, is, is empty or are not profitable. He is not wasting his time. He is recognizing that God has put a young man in his life who is serving him. And, they are, and he's making a valuable contribution to the mission. He's a fellow worker in the great work of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Even though he is behind the scenes, he's that, that, that back there kind of servant. All right? But Paul is saying we are co-workers. In that sense, we are equal in the work of dignity and of serving God and of being faithful to people's needs and proclaiming the gospel. And so they abound in this love and this camaraderie with one another as fellow workers. And you've got to understand that in this day and time, the state didn't take care of a prisoner. It wasn't their responsibility to feed the person or, or, or to see to their needs, medical needs, or other kinds of things. Paul needed someone, and the church at Philippi made that happen we'll send one of our own to you and he'll serve you and he'll take care of you and he'll watch out for you and he'll make sure we know if you have need and Paul understood this that, that this is what he was doing he was serving in this way so like Timothy he has this selflessness and he's serving but, but the beauty here is that Paul is saying Aphrodite, we're, we're right here together brother we're doing this together it's you and me we're we're on we're 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 co-laboring together we're co-working together all right we're fellows in this all together all right and so i i I can't help but believe that paul just he, he has such a beautiful and wonderful way of seeing this sort of shoulder to shoulder thing going on he goes he even says he's a fellow soldier I think mean, I think mean, he sees that we're in this battle together. It's not just that you're serving me and I'm serving the churches, but and we're doing this together. But there's a there's a battle going on here spiritually, and we're fellow fellow soldiers together. All right, and we're not just workers, but we war together. In other words, they lock shields together spiritually, so to speak. We pray together. We move together. They, we, you're not a weekend warrior. All right, yeah. Nothing against you who are in the military and in the guard, okay? Please understand, I'm not, I'm not in any way inferring anything negative there at all. I'm just saying there are some guys who go out there with their big toys and they pretend to be warriors. No, these guys are on the front line. Paul is suffering in prison. Aphrodite has died to himself just as Timothy has to serve Paul and to serve the church. And now he is, he is willing to not only lay down his life, but I think he's willing to take some risk. See, you got to understand, Paul's in prison. Paul's in prison for a reason, and Aphrodite says, you know what, I don't care what people think. I'm going to stand beside you. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to take care of you because I'm with you, and Paul says, he's, 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 he's right up there with me. I think Paul had this unique way of just, like, bringing people up, and I want to tell you something. There's not a hierarchy. For, except for the sake of decision making and, and government governing the church here, but we are equal in the body of Christ. Men and women together serving God. We are equal and we are a team. We are a body. We are a people who are serving God. Some have positions and there, there are things around those positions but I'm telling you that when it comes right down to it and the dust settles, I'll take any of you and stand you side by side with me and we will stand together for the gospel of Jesus Christ and we'll be co-laborers, we'll be co- workers. We'll be fellow workers. We'll be fellow warriors in this thing together. And, and I, I would stand with you uh, over, over this world any day. And I'm asking you to stand with each other. I'm asking you to be willing to do that. I was, I was so um, proud of Pastor Dave this weekend because he had to testify and give a character witness uh, for a man who committed a murder, a heinous crime, a horrible crime. And at age 14 he entered into the penitentiary. He was an 8th grader. He killed a man. All right, there's no denying that. All right, but as an eighth grader, he went into a system of adults in a penitentiary and has been there for 20 years. He is 34 years old now. But the Supreme Court has made a rule, and that rule has allowed that man to be resentenced. And that is not the biggest and most important piece of this, in my opinion. That's great that our that our Supreme Court has done this, and this and this man has opportunity here. Uh, But what is, is so amazing is that from when he did this heinous crime at age 14, there was a point in there where God got a hold of his life and transformed him and changed him. And he is a believer. He is a follower of Jesus Christ. There is redemption there. But now he has a greater ability to see freedom. And he will go up for parole in five years as a result of the testimony that was given over the last couple of days in Peer. But the reality is that there were many who did not want this to happen. People vested in the victim, people vested in the, the, uh, the judicial system, and people who just have opinions. And Pastor Dave suffered something for that. And there were people who literally, verbally, uh, assaulted him uh, over the past two days because of that, all right? Uh, and, and, and he was forewarned that that could happen. But he was willing to go and stand up, believing that everybody deserves a chance. That everybody should get a chance to be rehabilitated. All right, And he did that out of the sense that Christ died for all of us. And we're all equal. We're on an equal plane in that respect. And, and this man did a horrible, heinous crime. But he has been redeemed by God and forgiven. And can he now be rehabilitated? And I would say to you and I that we have got to see the world differently than the, than, than the world sees itself. And we've got to be willing to be able to say, you know what? I'm willing to look throughout this, this earth, and I'm willing to see the power and the, and the possibility of redemption. And as I do that, as I do that, I co-labor with my brothers and my sisters in the body of Christ. And I do not care what the world says. I do not care what the world thinks. I am willing to take the risk that is necessary by the prompting of the Holy Spirit under the leadership of the Lord Jesus Christ and say that I will serve in whatever capacity I can. That's what I'm saying, all right? Here are two men that give us wonderful, wonderful, wonderful examples. You and I do not need to be distressed over our circumstances or our situations or what we've done or not done or what we've accomplished or not accomplished. God is able to use every one of us for his glory and his honor and this I believe is something Paul is trying to get across to us look at the example of these men and and follow this Uh, let me close with this I know for a fact there are a number of people in life church um, who have laid down their own will and their own preferences I want to I want to just point to two of them as we close today and tell you how how I how much I appreciate you as a body. Um, and, and that is uh, two people in this church who are doing something for God right now that I think is absolutely essential, and that is reaching a generation of high schoolers, and that's Andrew and Kayla. And I have such great admiration for their willingness because I get to hear from both of them, and I get to know their heart. And I know that in their heart, these are not things that they would just do just because they wanted to, but they feel the prompting of the Holy Spirit, and they feel... The leading of the Lord Jesus Christ to do this, and so they are laying down personal aspects of their own life right now to be able to do this, and to do it in some ways sacrificially. There are other things they would rather do, but they're not. This is the caliber of people we have in Life Church. There are people here who are more than willing to be selfless and to take risk and to be courageous. And I pray that you will be one of them, and that together we will rise to the occasion and make a difference as life, church. Amen. All right, we have the gospel now.
0: We're called to selfless living because we belong to the God who has acted selflessly on our behalf. Um, As we read earlier in the second chapter of Philippians, Jesus made himself nothing took on the role of a servant, and came in human flesh. He came down into the broken human situation, suffered all that we do as humans, and died. By the Holy Spirit, Jesus was raised to life, and in him we can receive the forgiveness of sins. This Jesus will return and heal the earth, and God will dwell with us. Those who are in Christ will be raised in this flesh, and will see him, and will be with him. As we wait for Jesus' return, Those who are in Christ receive the Holy Spirit who works out new creation in us right now. By the Holy Spirit, we can live out the life of new creation in advance as the Spirit helps us to be selfless, to be mature, to love, to be courageous for the gospel, and to live in unity with one another. If this is new to you, or if you have any other need to talk with someone or pray with someone, the prayer team will come up um, and you can do that. Otherwise, I'll pray, and you can be dismissed quietly. Gracious Lord, may we live faithful lives as the people of Christ. Holy Spirit, help us to be selfless as Christ has shown us to be. Please work out new creation in us and help us to live obedient lives until Christ returns. Bind us together in your unity, triune God, and may you make us courageous um, to live lives for your kingdom. We pray this in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.